Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. So a while back, you might remember I was soliciting for people to come on the show and using their first-person experiences as a template, try to tell the story of how the web happened in various countries. Well, podcast listener Thomas Ganter took me up on the offer, and today you're going to hear the story of how personal computing and the web came to Germany. Many thanks to Thomas for being willing to come on and share his story and the story of his country. And if anyone else wants to do the same and to explain, I don't know, uh, how the web came to India or Iran or something like that, please get in touch. I'd like to do another one of these uh, later in the year. In the meantime, please enjoy Thomas Ganter. Thomas Ganter, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity. Well, uh, thank you, thank you for representing an entire country here today. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we do have to set the context. So, the the sort of rude question of uh, what year you were born? Um, uh, nineteen seventy two. Okay, so uh, you were definitely a kid before computers were common in the household. So then let's, uh, let's start with that favorite question of mine, which is um, the first, actually in your case, the first computer you encountered, because I bet you encountered them before you had one in your home. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, computers, uh, as you can imagine, were um, nothing that people had at home when I was a kid. So uh, I was about 10 or 11, I was in fifth grade when I encountered my first computer that I can actually touch. Yeah. So I, um, I, I just moved to this new school and I found that uh, I had a computer room. Um, great. And uh, it was or, um, even permissible for uh, students to go there, <laughs> even greater. Um, and... Uh, I, I uh, recall scaring um, the hell out of my uh, parents because I decided to uh, actually spend as much time there as possible, which meant I spent the first night there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, they uh, there were six or seven uh, CBM 4032s and uh, 8096s there. So this is, um, uh, I, I guess they were called PET um, mm -hmm. in yeah right all in one boxes yeah so um ancient um, um pre um, um predecessors of the iMac i guess um green screen uh, monitor and keyboard all in one type thingies with um cassette drives attached to store programs Right, no hard drives, uh, floppy drives, and things like that to to load up the systems. But but they were individual terminals. You're, these aren't uh, you're not sharing. You can have your own computer and sit down directly in front of it. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a small elite group of um, uh, students at the school that uh, understood about computers or that knew that the room was there, and uh, we started well camping in the room in every three minute. So uh, what, what sort of, are you mostly playing games or using educational software? What are you, what are you doing with these things in, in school? Um, in, the, in the early 80s, um, yes. this was, uh, there was no such thing like a market for educational software, at least not that I was aware of. Yeah, So we are, uh, we switched on those things and they said in nice, friendly green letters, ready. Yeah, and there was a blinking cursor. Um, and then we started to explore how those things worked. And uh, we uh, started teaching ourselves basic. And uh, um, once the basic was not sufficient anymore, we uh, started exploring um, machine language. So um, we... Uh, coded our first um, assembler and uh, 
started uh, fool, um, yeah, fooling around in uh, 6502 um, assembler language. Actually, that's a that's an important distinction to make. I, I actually am young enough that by the time uh, we had computers in our schools, as you say, there was educational software. There were even games, you know, the famous Oregon Trail that, that everyone of my age in the States uh, points to as the game that everyone played on their Apple IIEs. But um, when computers first hit the scene, there's not prepackaged software for them. So if you get interested in computers, the only thing you basically can do with them is learn how to program them and, and write your own games yep. and apps and things like that. I, I don't know about the Oregon Trail, and, but <laughs> maybe after we stop recording, you can tell me what the Oregon Trail oh, is. Oh, believe me, uh, anyone, anyone uh, 40 years old and older in the United States knows what Oregon Trail is. But anyway, go on, go on. Um, well, when we were fooling around, yeah, so like a, a lot of print statements and and input statements in BASIC, or um, um, actually, what what we coded were uh, were games, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we we tried to outsmart each other in uh, programming games, mm -hmm. and then around the same time, um, uh, war games, I um, hit the movies, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> And uh, so all of us were trying to program interactive games like want to play a game and global um, thermonuclear war and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I guess at that point in time, the most famous password was Joshua. <laughs> uh, and uh, we tried to implement the tic-tac-toe. Um, then uh, also around the same point in time, um, there was an hilariously long um a basic game that someone came up with um or probably typed from a magazine which was a star trek game and i understand this was ported to a lot of platforms so mm -hmm. probably it also existed on the on the apple twos where you basically had a, a eight by eight grid of of quadrants and you were uh, the captain of uh, start um of, of um enterprise uh, enterprise and uh, you were about hunting klingons um and the story about this game was it took about 10 minutes to load from uh, a cassette tape and our um the main break um in uh, in the school was 20 minutes so uh we, we got we got the key to the computer room. We went there. We loaded the game, and then there was like eight minutes of playing because then we need to return the key and uh, be in class when the break was over. Ah, oh, that's a shame. You should have convinced somebody, to, a teacher, to preload them for you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so so this was this was um, real computers. Yeah? So. Um... Are, is there any networking going on with these computers at school? Is this where um, Bildschirm text comes in? <laughs> no, there was no networking. There was okay. one printer, and it was attached to one of the computers. But um, Bildschirm text, yes, um, uh, or BTX, which, uh, as it was abbreviated, was an online service, um, uh, very much like uh, probably AOL or uh, CompuServe for. Uh, any other type of um, walled garden uh, online service that um, also started in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 1983, apparently. Bildschirm text was uh, what it was uh, called in Germany, um, but there were compatible systems in a lot of countries um, based on uh, Prestel, which is a... Um, the British... Uh... Uh, think, yeah. think it's it's a very chunky blocky type of uh, graphics um and it very much looked like um what you also have on tv when you switch on the text mode of some channels and you see additional information mm -hmm. um, um at least i hope you also do this in the u.s because uh, this is what we have huh? no um we never had that at, like it, i cuz i know it, even as late as the early 2000s uh they still had that in britain and maybe you still do have it on on regular tvs but no we never had that that uh video text stuff 
Um, oh. Because, right, Minitel was based on a similar technology. Um, yep. The Brits had it uh, based out of the British Post Office, GPO. And so I guess this is uh, the, the same sort of stuff, but uh, you guys had it for Germany. Yep, this was uh, basically run by the German Post, um, which mm -hmm. was um, a ministry then. So it was a state, um, it was the, the, the Ministry for Post and Telecommunications, Bundespost. Um, and uh, they uh, introduced this as a means of getting uh, people online. Yeah, And it was um, intended to be um, um, for serious use. Uh, you could do the banking stuff. You could um, um, uh, get flight information or train information. Uh, and it was run through a set-top box which was connected to the TV. Uh, which uh, probably was why most people confused it with uh, the uh, um, one-way-only, information-only um, uh, video text thingy that uh, ran along the, um, uh, the the TV programs themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah? But this was separate, even though it looked the same. Um, it was not attached to a channel, but you uh, had a, a modem set-top box combo thingy which you connected to the phone line. Um, this one dialed into the network. Um, and then uh, you had horribly slow um, connections to um, the, the, the one central hub, um, which then provided uh, chunky graphics. Um, so I'm, and... I'm, I'm curious, though. Um... If you can remember at the time, did you think of that as something else or did you think of that as computing? You know what I mean? Like I would we would say yeah. now, oh, that's early networked computing. But did you think of, oh, well, the stuff that I do at school is computing and the stuff on the TV, that's something else. Oh, it, it was uh, well, it was outlandish. Yeah, it was uh, something very special, um, but it was not I didn't consider this computing because uh, you couldn't do stuff yourself. Yeah, this was, uh, there were services, you, need to know, you needed to know uh, the, the numbers to dial, yeah, so uh, um, not dial in the sense of dial the phone line, but the, the menu system, um, uh, <laughs> there, there was no mouse or anything, yeah, there was a menu system and you needed to know the number of the service that you wanted to use inside this vault garden um, uh, block graphics uh, environment. Uh, so there was like a, a main menu and you needed to know that the uh, um, 1188 was like uh, the uh, the online phone book. Yeah, and you mm -hmm. could do a phone number lookup. And uh, whatever, 4711 was um, um, uh, your local bank or, or something like this. Yeah, so it was... Um, an access system to a different type of services. And this was uh, extremely interesting. And uh, this was uh, very much timeshare. I, I, I never knew anyone who had one at home. But uh, as I mentioned, there was the post office and you could go there and they had one or two booths uh, in which you could access those machines and you had to pay on a pay-per-use basis, like for the time you used it. So did you, I want, I want to get into if there were things like BBSs and stuff like that, but um, to bring you back into this story, I think you get a, a computer in your house in around like 87, right? Yep. And I, you, I bought... you, you get a modem around the same time too. Yeah, uh, shortly thereafter. Yeah, I, I bought myself a uh, Commodore Amiga, um, which were... Uh extremely popular in Europe. I am um, not entirely sure on how popular they were in the US. Not but, as popular uh, as the 64s, but a lot, a lot of people had Amigas too, yeah. But basically, if, if you owned a computer um, around that time, you either owned a Commodore Amiga or you owned an Atari ST. So those were the two cool computers. I got myself a uh, Commodore Amiga and... Uh, um, uh, shortly thereafter, I guess it was 88, um, I uh, got my first modem. Yeah? And uh, I was beyond uh, um, what we called an acoustic coupler, which uh, basically you, you attached to the uh, 
the 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 earpiece of the physical phone. This uh, was a dedicated box to plug into the phone lines. Um, hilariously slow. I, I, I guess my first modem was a 14k um, modem, um, uh, and uh, I know that the last modem that I had was a 56k modem. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. I dialed into uh, bulletin board systems, so uh, mostly uh, posting to message boards and uh, downloading um, software like shareware, um, freeware. Uh, yeah. on, on, on the Amiga, it, it, this was mostly the uh, um, infamous um, uh, Fred Fish um, public domain collection. The we can assume that these BBSs were being hosted on you know somebody's computer somewhere you know a few yeah. miles away or something. <laughs> Maybe even uh... next door. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never knew anyone uh, that uh, at least not in my in my uh, small rural town um, that uh, operated a BBS. So yeah, there were. Uh, in remote distances, so it was always like uh, um, uh, long-distance calls, yeah? and uh, different to what I understand uh, the the U.S. phone system is. There is there was never a thing like uh, um, uh, free local calls or anything. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so a local call was um, uh, twenty-three uh, Fennec, which was the uh, basically the cent equivalent um, per uh, eight minutes. Yeah. Um, so, so to be connected for an hour, this was already um, several uh, German marks, um, and uh, it uh, very quickly became very expensive. And um, um, uh, medium or long distance calls um, were also twenty three uh, cents pfennig, but uh, the the time slice was significantly shorter, like. Uh, Per two minutes, or per minute, or per half minute, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I dialed into a BBS, which was in Rosenheim. This is twenty kilometers, so this was uh, barely not um, local call. Yeah, so it was a medium range call. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went online uh, or into the system. We. Uh, um, downloaded uh, our messages. Uh, we uh, probably posted something or uh, started some downloads and uh, tried to unhook the line as quickly as possible. Yeah. Also, du- during the time that I was using the modem, um, my brothers and parents couldn't use the phone. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so... Uh, you go to university early '90s, like '91-ish or so. Um, is that when you get your first taste of of the real internet? In in air quotes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, at uh, the end of '91, I uh, joined university in Munich, and uh, yeah, uh, within the first week, I got my uh, my. Uh, my own access for the server room of the uh, mathematics department. Um, I, I, I started uh, mathematics um, in Munich, and uh, ooh, this was a, a, a room, and there were about a dozen um, uh, SunSpark stations, and uh, those were connected to the network, and the network, as I found out, was the internet. At that point in time, I um, even didn't think in terms of like this is the internet. Mm-hmm. It was just networked computers, which was a great thing. And uh, then, uh, l- like um, like ten years earlier, when we taught each other the cool stuff to do on the uh, CBM machines, um, oh, the more experienced, the grown-up students. Um, taught us the stuff that we could do with those uh, great uh, new machines there, yeah, like uh, um, finger people. And I <laughs> found it hilarious that you could finger someone on the network. Um, and uh, then uh, I learned about F- about FTP, and I learned about uh, well, 
domain names. And it, it um, uh, quickly became apparent that this is not like a local thingy, um, but this is like a global thingy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the uh, boom, yeah, we were uh, transported into a completely new universe it, because the, it, uh, you it, could you could finger into whitehouse.gov. Yeah. <laughs> well, in '91, is that is that unusual, or is it assumed that that's a tool? This these networked computers, that's a tool that uh, was common at university at the time. Um, or was it a new and up and coming thing? Maybe. Uh, I only went to one university, so uh, my uh, my basis for comparison is limited. Mm-hmm. But. Um, um, the uh, department for uh, computer science, they had a, a big, like like a warehouse um, filled with machines. Um, the uh, the CS guys had um, uh, HP um, uh, workstations. So the uh, the mathematics guys, like us, we had sons, and sons were considered better than the HPs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very common. For the uh, for departments to have um, uh, networked computers and to uh, um, to provide access also to the students, um, but uh, outside the university world, um, uh, networks or uh, the internet mm-hmm. um, was like n- n- non-present. Yeah, yeah. I could I could dial uh, into the uh, data center from home. Um, which was um, a big endeavor. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I, I recall that um, if if my my memory doesn't play tricks, the uh, connection to uh, the data center was using um, uh, thirty two seventy terminal emulation. So uh, to do this on my Amiga at home um, required literally jumping through hoops. But uh, I could get online and I could check my uh, um, my email, my university email, and my parents couldn't understand what I was talking about. <laughs> that I had email and I could communicate with everybody on the planet using email because um, they didn't know anyone on the planet that had an email address other than me. So it was completely non-relevant to my parents. Yeah. Do you remember uh, encountering the web for the first time? This is probably a few years later, but maybe when you're still at university. Uh, I definitely was still at university when this uh, cool new product uh, um, um, program popped up, which was called Mosaic. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I remember this because uh, I also was still at university when I uh, encountered Amazon and uh, I ordered my first book online. Wow. Um, and uh, at, yeah, <laughs> um, I, so, so I was an Amazon customer when Amazon still used uh, uh, an, an A with, uh, which looked like very much like an, an, uh, an, an Amazon river running through mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was its logo. Um, and this was insane. Yeah, I just did it because I could do it. My, <laughs> my, my, my parents owned a booksellers, so so this was, and and I, I guess this was when when it dawned to them that um, this is actually something new because I got a book from the other end of the uh, of the planet, um, shipped to our door, and I paid hilarious fees. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I got access to a to a range of products which they couldn't get. Yeah, I mean for a, for the German booksellers to get a uh, um an, an I, I, I think it was uh, the tech book by by Donald Knuth that I ordered uh, something like it was an Edison Wesley title. Um, this was simply not possible. Yeah, they had a a, a big book. It was uh, like. 10, 10, 10 centimeters, which is uh, four four inches thick book of all the titles that I could order. This is basically all the back catalog that was available to them, mm-hmm. and this book was not in there. Yeah, 
because it was from a different country, yeah, different language, mm -hmm. um, completely new, yeah, and um, that uh, this, I, I I thought it was great, yeah, and uh, um, I'm still, it did not dawn to me that this is uh, basically making this great internet thingy accessible to everybody, which ultimately it would, yeah. Um, Mosaic just was like the next evolution from Gopher, which was the text-based version mm -hmm. of, uh, or at least the text-based equivalent of what now is the World Wide Web. No? Well, so this is what I'm super curious about. Um, is so th this is your you're a little bit ahead of the game because you're the right age. You're at university. Um, I I go to university in '96, so I have a really clear memory of this that that's around the year that oh all of a sudden my mom is starting to have an email address and normal people are starting to go online so I'm curious if you could you know obviously you're not an expert but what's what's your memory of um, the web or the internet in general going mainstream when when you know, your parents or your friends would start to get email addresses, that sort of thing. How does it happen? Are there ISPs? Tell me that story. Okay. Um, this is, um, um, again, getting back to, uh, getting, getting around to um, telephone network work differently mm -hmm. in Germany than uh, probably what what you know of from the U.S. It was uh, no free local calls. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, ISPs popped up uh, around ninety six, ninety seven, yeah? um, and uh, all of these were like small companies, um, um, small uh, software companies, small. Uh, um, entrepreneurs that uh, recognize that this is a new interesting thing um, in 96 uh, in parallel to my studies I started working um, at, a, at a at a local company we uh, we were a hardware manufacturer and uh, our internet connection everybody there had an, uh, an email address uh, so this was my second email address that I got mm -hmm. um, because we we also had a branch uh, somewhere in the U.S. and we were we needed to communicate with our colleagues. Yeah, um, our internet connection was a dial-up line. Yeah, so so we were an IT company. We we we, we created hardware, and uh, we had a, a, a dual ISDN uh, dial-up connection. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, so so we basically popped. Um, our email accounts, we run our own mail server and everything. Yeah, so this was my second um, email address, and um, and uh, then to to uh, um, uh, get back to your question, yeah, um, I wanted to also have the internet at home. So I, I looked around and I found I uh, I um, an ISP um, in in Wasserburg, yeah, which also a uh, smallish type of uh, city. Um, 25 uh, kilometers away, um, and I could dial in there. Yeah, so they provided a dialing line other than the BBS that I was used to. This now used uh, TCP/IP, and I I got myself online. Yeah, and I paid double. I paid for the phone fees, and I paid for the online time. So there wait, let's be no clear. Phone. So you're you're still paying by the hour. So you're paying you're paying the phone company's hourly fees. And then you pay this ISP's hourly fees on top of that. Yeah. So, uh, so getting online was hilariously expensive. Yeah. And uh, everyone who was uh, in a city um, had an advantage because uh, local fees were cheaper than long distance fees. Um, my town has ten thousand people. Yeah. So we were small. There was no local ISP. Um, I had to go through. Um, uh, regional calls, um, like everybody had to do um, in those times. Yeah? Um, but very quickly, um, the uh, Bundespost, yeah, German Post, mm -hmm. um, 
converted the uh, Bildschirm Text Service, the Vault Garden Setup Box TV experience, to a uh, internet service. And uh, obviously, because there were the post office, they were present everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And uh, boom, yeah, there was like local dial-in um, available in every local uh, local area net. And what year, uh, what year would that be about? Um, uh, I would guess also around uh, 96, 97, 98. Okay. okay. So uh, um, this was more or less in parallel to all those local ISPs popping up. Yeah. Um, by that point in time, Bundespost um, also has been converted. Um, uh, I guess the term is they IPO'd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it, it was privatized. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, the idea was to uh, convert Germany into a country of stock owners, mm-hmm. which didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, but uh, with a lot of um, marketing, they tried to push everybody into purchasing uh, stocks of the uh, the uh, two companies that they privatized out of the postal system, which was the post system. Um, which uh, today is DHL, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of the biggest global uh, logistics companies, right. but this to be a German post, yeah, and uh, and Deutsche Telekom, mm-hmm. which uh, used to be the phone part of the uh, of the postal system, and also Deutsche Telekom, uh, with uh, T-Mobile is now a global presence, um, and it's Deutsche Telekom that that converts BTX into this online thing. Yeah, and uh, because like, like with with Apple and everything was I for uh, for a time, now with Deutsche Telekom everything was T. Yeah, so it was T online, um, very much like America Online or CompuServe. This was like T online. Um, this was the rebranded version of BTX, and um, th- th- they still had uh, the 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 set of boxes and they gateway into uh, the internet. But uh, they also, for the people that didn't want to have the set-up box on the TV experience, um, they very quickly provided modem dial-in options. Yeah? And uh, I, I would I would guess half of uh, the German population do have a T-Online um, email address somewhere. Mm. Is, is AOL um, competing at this time? Because I know that they had a big... Um, push into Europe. I don't know how successful. Actually, I really don't know that. I should look into that. How successful they were in trying to move into Europe. Well, uh, th- there was a time in which AOL um, flooded um, uh, Germany with uh, free CD-ROMs with like 300-minute type of offers. Huh? Um, and I understand it was more or less the same in the U.S. Uh, at, at some point in time, you could, you could. Uh, live on the internet by means of uh, hundreds of free DVDs, uh, uh, um, CD-ROMs. Right, or, just or... set up a new account, new account, new account, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, they still needed to bridge the gap of um, the fee for the for the online time itself. Yeah? Because uh, at that point in time still, you had to pay by the minute, even today. Um, uh, with uh, some uh, phone accesses, you need to pay by the minute, um, even though um, with most packages, you now get uh, flat rates for uh, um, basically all landline calls uh, within Germany, um, simply because privatizing the sector also brought prices down. Um, AOL, I don't think is any meaningful presence today. Anymore, um, I uh, seem to recall that there were um, uh, the, the German operation of AOL was um, purchased by some uh, um, local regional phone company, um, and they uh, vanished out of public presence. I cannot recall seeing AOL. In, in 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 the face of the public anywhere so when do when do uh faster than dial-up speeds and like sort of the the service providers uh in the modern sense that we would know about like dsl and, and things like that does that come around like turn of the century 
Yep. So the the state of the art connection, internet connection, um, to to have as a private citizen would have been ISDN, which was a, a digital um, um, multi line service on the on the copper line, um, and then um, the big new thing was going from the 128k to 2 megabit, mm -hmm. which was uh, DSL. The first DSL offerings were 2 megabit lines. And this was fast, blazing fast. Um, and then they upgraded to uh, 6 megabits and 25 megabits. Um, and uh, this, was, this was rolled out rather quickly in uh, big parts of the country. Um, and this is, um, I, I guess this would be 125 different shows now. Um, after reunification, mm -hmm. um, there was a big push to uh, modernize the infrastructure, especially in the eastern part of Germany, mm -hmm. where I thought, um, where uh, internet was uh, non-existent or, or any type of, 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 of network or global communication was non-existent. Um, until the downfall of the communist reign. Um, and uh, there was a big push to push fiber into the ground. So uh, um, there were big regions where um, they uh, modernized the infrastructure by putting fiber um, um, uh, as, as a basis for transmission. <laughs> and now, uh, even though they had a modern infrastructure, they were basically not getting a DSL because DSL is a copper um, technology. Right, right. Um, <laughs> uh, now, now they are happy because uh, currently we are uh, in 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 the big push for fiber to the home. Yeah. Now in the western part, where there was all this copper infrastructure, um, the, uh, the, the we moved from two to six to uh, twenty five. Um, uh, currently 50 in in the cities you get 100 or uh, sometimes even 200 megabits mm -hmm. um, copper line and the only um, um, other access technology that uh, any has any meaningful presence currently other than DSL um, and fiber is cable um, and uh, also cable has a different um, uh, meaning than in the USS uh, in the USA. Mm -hmm. I I um, I understand that CNN is supposed to be the cable news network. Yes, that's right. C cable cable is also something that uh, did not have universal adoption. Right. Also, also TV cable was something that was put into the ground by the post office. Yeah. So, right. Right. <laughs> Bundespost only also owned this infrastructure, and in the wake of uh, privatizing, uh, they had to sell off the cable uh, networks, the cable infrastructures to some a, a lot of regional uh, providers. Um, and uh, around the turn of the century, um, in parallel to uh, the uh, to the, the rollout of DSL, they also um, the, the cable operators also started rolling out. Um, Internet access, or uh, basically triple play um, access on the uh, on the on the on the cable infrastructure, and for a time, um, I had uh, my uh, my my ISP service through my cable operator. Uh, we didn't own a TV. <laughs> um, you skip that well, step. Just go directly to the internet. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, we never felt it necessary, yeah, and uh, it probably also was uh, some form of uh, protection for the kids, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, to this date, we don't have a, a TV, but we are a little bit cheating because we do have a uh, a beamer at home, and uh, um, we 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 can uh, basically have. Um, small dosage of uh, Netflix and uh, um, um, TV serials for, uh, for, for the kids, yeah? Or currently there is the, the Olympics going on. Right. So uh, 
um, we, we stream those. Yeah? At, that point in, at that point in time, we are talking about the turn of the century. Obviously, streaming was not a thing. Right. Yeah? Um, but uh, also, we, we didn't need a TV. Um, but we needed the cable connection to have a phone and internet um, um, and radio. <laughs> they also transmitted radio on the phone uh, on, on on the TV cable. Um, and uh, this was 25 megabits, and I was uh, hilariously happy because I felt like I, I was I was uh, um, a king of our small city because I, I I was sure I had the fastest internet connection. Um, today, today we have 50 megabit and I, sometimes it feels slow Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm eagerly awaiting the upgrade to hundred. Well, so uh, to sum up the, the, the state of the market or the state of uh, the environment is now it's, it's dominated by the telecom companies generally like Vodafone, Deutsche Telekom and that sort of thing. Like that's how everyone gets their internet these days. Yeah. There was, there was a small, um, time period like 10 uh, 15 years in which wholesale was a big thing and uh, um, there was then there was a, a, a huge consolidation now the the biggest um, wholesaler um, or, or reseller whatever it's it's called um, for internet services uh, is a company called United internet um, which uh, is into hosting, but also um, um, resells uh, the, the Vodafone and Deutsche Telekom and Telefonica phone lines. Um, but other than uh, one or two big um, ISP companies that uh, survived the, the big consolidation, um, the main um, players are Vodafone, uh, Telefonica and Deutsche Telekom. All three um, are also the only three remaining um, um, original mobile phone operators in uh, Germany. Uh, so uh, every every SIM card you have in a German phone is uh, in the end by one of those three companies. And uh, also in the mobile phone market and the mobile internet, there is some uh, some resellers, but uh, those are the only three remaining networks. And the same is true for uh, the, uh, the the fixed net accesses to the internet, um, plus um, the cable companies. But um, Vodafone owns um, a big chunk of the cable networks, and there are one or two um, independent um, cable providers remaining. Plus, um, and this is funny, plus some cities do have their own um uh, ISPs Municipal, yeah. yeah so so the 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 the, the uh, capital of bavaria the the german state i'm i'm living in uh, munich which you probably know for the oktoberfest and uh, a lot of beer and and stuff well, uh, i i know from bayern munich but yes <laughs> okay the, the the same munich yeah yes yeah, um the, uh, the, uh, the 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 municipal um, utility company um, they also have their own ISP, Mnet. And because they have access to every home, because they also do the plumbing and the heating uh, and everything, so they also have uh, fiber cables in there. And they provide 200 megabit uh, internet access for everybody inside the uh, the, the city limits um, if you choose to uh, to use them. Yeah, So they have phone, internet and everything um, by, the, uh, by the local utility. Yeah. But again, in 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 the in the in the rural parts of Germany, and most of Germany is rural parts, um, you are left with uh, the three big players. When uh, to to end up here um, again, just in your opinion, I'm not asking you to speak for everyone, but um, the mainstreaming of the web and, and internet stuff in Germany. Uh, is it rapid? Do you feel like Germany is sometimes behind? And as an example, I'd use things like adoption of Facebook by uh, normal people, adoption of Netflix, use of Netflix, that sort of thing. When a new technology comes on the scene, is German Germany usually ahead of the game, a little behind the game? What do you think? <laughs> um, 
So uh, you you probably are aware that currently we are we Germany is still waiting. Um, I guess we are in, in month five since the uh, last general election, uh-huh. and we still don't have a new government yet. Yeah, so the parties are still negotiating. In the current um, uh, um, coalition paper that's uh, agreed, um, one of the goals, the, uh, the the tentative next governance that's forced is that there would be uh, free Wi-Fi in every public transport mm. year 2050. So this is for the state of Internet in Germany. Um, <laughs> The adoption rate for for stuff like Facebook um, is huge. Yeah, you 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 are basically um, no one if you don't uh, WhatsApp and uh, and 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 have mm-hmm. a Facebook account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is funny. Yeah, so so texting for a lot of people is synonymous with uh, sending WhatsApp messages, and if you're not on the WhatsApp um, network, right. um, you you're like um, an outsider. Um, and I have big debates with my daughter about, uh, using, um, WhatsApp or Facebook because I, um, I don't permit it. Yeah. I consider Facebook evil. Um, but, but I allow her to be, um, to, to have a, a Google account because, uh, well, there, there, you have to give in to at least one of those evils. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pick but, your poison, uh, yeah. yeah. The the the, uh, but then w- one is enough, yeah. Um, and the the public education and the awareness of what all of this means is like non-existent. Yeah, the uh, the uh, awareness of also of privacy is um, non-existent, uh, or uh, at least significantly reduced. Yeah. Um, and still everybody is very, very scared about, uh, all this new stuff, you know? So, um, and, and this is, this is, uh, this is curious. Yeah. It's like a paradox, um, online banking, um, a, a, a lot of people do a bank transaction online, um, and still, um, at the same point in time, um, everybody is scared of these new technologies. Huh? So, hmm. um, I don't know. I, I think that uh, a certain age group, probably people that are younger than us, adopt everything um, extremely quickly. There, there are one global community. And uh, our age group or older yeah, are probably resistant to adopt. Germany as a nation is uh, because of our um, federal structure. Um, there is the intention to further the, uh, the 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 usage of the internet or the uh, the digitalization of the uh, the the, uh, the the country. Yeah, um, we want to become um, on the leading edge. Um, at the same point in time, uh, the investments are not there to actually push this. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the rollout of uh, fast internet and they still consider 25 megabits fast internet. Um, I, 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 um, I listened to another podcast, a German one this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the statement on this uh, podcast was, um, fast internet in today's time is not measured in megabits. Yeah? The the unit of measure for fast internet would be uh, gigabits or beyond. So um, um, no, um, the, the, the public in Germany is not, um, not on the early adopter side of things. Well, listen. When it comes to infrastructure, we're no better off here because twenty-five is 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 good for a lot of people. Hundred megabit would be fantastic for a lot of people, and we're nowhere near uh, gigabit here either. And I got one more. <coughs> I apologize. <clears throat> 
Um, we just got uh, free Wi-Fi in all of our buses here in New York City. And uh, that might be great, but it doesn't make the buses go any faster. So a lot of us have been like, well, I wish you had uh, spent money on more buses or bus lanes or things like that. So uh, I, I don't know that if you guys ever get that free Wi-Fi on the buses, it'll be worth it. Well, we already have free Wi-Fi on most of the uh, high-speed trains. Mm. Um, well, I just took an Amtrak, and, and that Wi-Fi was terrible. So I don't know. We're, we're inverse. <laughs> but well, we're also, we're also discussing about uh, free rides on public transportation currently mm. to uh, to uh, remove all the, uh, the, the the traffic congestions and uh, to to free up our uh, our our cities again, yeah, and uh, yeah. part of clean air and everything. Yeah. Mm. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. Is is we want the trains and the buses to run here in New York, and they instead gave us uh, free Wi-Fi on the buses. So. Um, Thomas Ganter, I'm going to let you go. Um, thank you so much for uh, being willing to uh, contribute all that for us. And um, thanks for uh, giving us yet another uh, different perspective on, on how the Internet and the web uh, sort of infiltrated all of our lives. Well, happy to have been part of this experience. I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, thank you so much. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast... Please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. There's plenty more great internet history where that came from. And if you're a longtime listener, then you know what to do to help us out. Rate and review us on iTunes. Because iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more great reviews we get, the more people will discover us. As always, there's more info on our website, www.internethistorypodcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at NetHistoryPod, and my personal Twitter is at BrianMCC. Thanks for listening.